Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 141. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Star Trek Enterprise's fourth season, uh, the very first episodes, Stormfront Parts 1 and 2, as one discussion, and home. Here we go. Stormfront, Season 4, Episodes 1 and 2, Production Numbers 401 and 402, Original Air Dates October 8th and October 15th, 2004, Directed by Alan Croker, Written by Manny Cotto, Music Composed by Jay Chataway, Guest Cast Include Golden Brooks as Alicia Travers, Jack Gwaltney as Vosk, John Fleck as Silic, Matt Winston as Temporal Agent Daniels, Christopher Neem as German General, Stephen R. Sharippa as Carmine, Mark Elliott Silverberg as Crawl, David Pease as Alien Technician, Burr Middleton as newsreel narrator, Joe Maruzo as Sal, Tom Wright as Grath, J. Paul Bomer as SS agent, and Johan Harnagel as Joe Prosky. Following the events of Zero Hour from Season 3, Commander Tucker and Ensign Mayweather survive the attacks by the P-51 Mustangs on their shuttle pod and arrive back on Enterprise. Temporal Agent Daniels, near death, suddenly appears to Dr. Phlox in sickbay. He warns that an alien named Vosk, the leader of a fraction of the temporal Cold War, has altered the timeline with catastrophic consequences. Enterprise was brought back to the mid-20th century to end the temporal Cold War between several factions. On Earth, Captain Jonathan Archer, who was also brought back by Daniels, escapes from the Germans when American resistant fighters ambush his convoy. You want any more of our help? You're going to tell us what's going on. What was that back there? That was an extraterrestrial. A Martian? I don't know what planet he was from. Oh, where are you from? Upstate New York. Fellas, a lot of people out past curfew. All right, so like I said, we're going to discuss Stormfront and Stormfront Part 2 just as uh, one discussion. So what are we at? We're in, this is October of 2004, the premiere of what would become Enterprise's final season, their fourth season. Um... I think in our last episode I discussed being disappointed, you know, that uh, with the the little cliffhanger ending that showed the alien Nazis. Um, and maybe part of that was just because I remembered how, how unenthusiastic I was about Stormfront 1 and 2. Um, so maybe I was a little bit unfair with just the, the cliffhanger aspect and, and stuff, but... Um, <laughs> You know what? I'm gonna let let you guys start. Just, do you think these episodes are? Do you like them? Do you think they work? You know, what are what is what is your your first impression of Stormfront? Stormfront. Um, you know, it kind of reminded me of some of those two parters in Voyager. I honestly, I kind of just turned my brain off because I was like, I know they're nuts. I knew they weren't gonna be great episodes good maybe at best so i just kind of turned my brain off and watched them for what they are i mean i mean what these these two episodes kind of they kind of wrap up this whole um temporal cold war timeline that we've been yeah. going through for the past three years or three seasons rather and um you know at least from my point of view i kind of feel like it was a failed arc it was a failed storyline that just never really Developed into anything good or even interesting. Maybe the first season it was interesting because they kept it so kind of secret. You didn't know what was going on. But by the time we get to this, for me at least, um, 
I'm just so uninterested in this this the story arc. So when I watched these episodes, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to turn my brain off. Just kind of enjoy it. You know, just, you know, it's just kind of an actiony. Yeah. We're on world war two. Like I said, it reminded me of like one of those Voyager two parters where they went back in time. I can't remember. And so that's kind of just kind of how I viewed this episode. I didn't want to be too critical towards it. So by just, doing that, so you did enjoy it though, by doing that. Yeah. I enjoyed it more. I don't, I wouldn't say I was like, Oh my God, this is great. I think I was just, entertained just by turning off my critical thinking hat but if i go you know now that we're talking about it i can go back and poke a buttload of holes in both of these um episodes but you know why why kick a guy when he's down um, the way i feel about it <laughs> um the one thing that i kind of wish that instead of them going back to world war ii i kind of wish they would have went to world war three you know we hear a lot about especially in the um trek lore and the trek timeline we hear about this world war three that happened and then after that that's when things kind of started getting better for mankind and we you know i kind of maybe would have preferred them to do something like they did in ds9 where they went back to not like our history, but like, you know, what did they go back to the 2020s in DS9? Those Something episodes? like that, yeah. Yeah, I think I would have maybe preferred them make that choice in this. It would have been, maybe it would have made it a little bit more interesting because like, you know, Nazis, World War II, it was just, you know, it was just kind of like a, okay. That's that's why, essentially, that's why I had to turn my brain off for these. Yeah, I think if you, I think if you, you know, revisit something we've seen so many times in so many places, it's got to be really good to pull it off, you know, and it's just not, all it is is kind of just like playing, playing with, with this, this scene or this era, this era and so on and so forth. And it's kind of like in the end of the last season, they wrote themselves into a corner and they have to get out of it. And it's convoluted to begin with. And so let's waste two episodes at the beginning of the season getting ourselves out of this. And, it, and it's just, I mean, at, at times it's entertaining from a, you know, history kind of you know, fish out of water thing, I guess, a little bit. We've seen this so many times done better, you know. And plus, it's a little disappointing in the sense that, yeah, I think the whole um, the whole um, temporal Cold War thing was didn't work out so well for Enterprise, but at the same time, it almost it's almost sad that let's wrap it up with this crap. You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's the lamest, lamest, rushed, lamey ending. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's not even it's so it's like something that's like okay, this isn't so great, but it, it would have been nice at least to have a satisfying you know, conclusion to it. It wouldn't have to have been the series finale or something, but if you say, we need to wrap this up, you know, let's, let's do this justice. Instead, it makes it feel like the whole thing's irrelevant. And yeah, it's just, it's just kind of, it's kind of disappointing. And, and all the silly time talk, again, stuff that you don't notice when an episode is good and has something to say, but because it doesn't, it really sticks out. You know, all this nonsense with trying to explain what's going on with uh, turbulence in the time stream and yeah, stuff. multiple it's factions just, and oh, yeah, my God, just, yeah. I mean, I mean, if if you look at the other series, you look at um, Next Gen. You know, you had the the story arc with um, Q, um, DS9. You had the story arc with uh, um, the wormhole and you know Cisco and all of that. Those were great story arcs that you were that were compelling and interesting. The story arc just kind of was the exact opposite of that. And it just kind of seemed like they had no idea where they were going to go with it. And they just decided, you know what, let's just kill it. And I think that was probably a good decision. I'm glad. And if 
it's I'm glad they got it out of the way. If nothing else, I'm glad they got it out of the way with these first couple episodes. We don't have to see it again, and then we can take off into season four and 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 I think we'll all enjoy season four, except for I won't enjoy the last episode, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's the only thing that I'm kind of happy about. All right, we got it out of the way. We don't have to hear about the Temple of Cold War anymore. We don't have to see Daniels. It just don't. It's done. We don't have to see it anymore. Yeah, I felt a little bit like Archer when he's like, "We're done with your damn Cold War." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. You know, but it didn't happen. Let's be clear. We all feel this way because it wasn't good. You know, if the Cold War thing, if the temporal Cold War thing had had lived up to the coolness of its name, you know, if the end, if its denouement had been awesome, you know, we wouldn't be talking like this, you know. So it's not we're not just saying, well, at least that crap's over um, <laughs> because it's inherently crap as a concept. It's it's it wasn't good. It wasn't written well, you know. Um, and yeah, if you go back and you think about Broken uh, Bow and imagine, imagine, you know, um, the Suleban there, and then if, if somebody were to tell you this is how it's all going to end, <laughs> mm-hmm. shot in the back by a Nazi in an alternate timeline, 1944, <laughs> uh, and he says, oh, I wish I could have fought, died fighting you or something. The end. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, what? Oh my god! You know, um, I, I like how Archer. We we got to see Archer die twice and not really die in in the span of like probably six episodes, if, if hmm. even that. Kind of in the same way, and it was where I we didn't see any, we didn't see any of the temporal Cold War stuff in season three until the very end. I mean, I, I think they could have inter, intertwined that a little bit more and done a little bit more with the temporal Cold War in, in season three, but they didn't do anything with it till literally like the last third of the season they had you know daniel's in there a little bit you know archer you can't die and i kind of you know they could have done more with it they could have been a little bit more but they kind of looked like they abandoned it in season three and then they were like oh oh yeah we have this this story arc that we set up that we have to do something with and like i said they just kind of these two episodes just kind of came off. it's um the stormfront one and two it's um it's just, it's mostly, it's kind of like what you were saying, Steve, you know, we've seen it so many times and it's just not done really well here. So who cares? Why, you know, just as an example, um, this, there's a scene near the beginning of part one, I think, where maybe it's like halfway in Archer's with uh, the, is it Alicia? Is that, is that her name? The, the nurse-ish yeah. woman that helps him out. Like they go out on her balcony because Billy Holiday is playing, and she tells this whole this story about that's their way of you know we're passing this phonograph around and we're all listening to Billy Holiday. It's our way of sticking it to the Germans, and, and I'm, I'm just sitting there listening to him like, oh my god, I just don't care. <laughs> Who cares? This isn't interesting. This isn't good. You know, it's just all so I don't know, um, blasé and and. And if this if this had been if this was an episode of the original series in the '60s, it would have been worth a heck of a lot more. Mm-hmm. But as the last season to what it, at this time was the most recent Star Trek show, it's it's just so um, forgettable, and I I did not enjoy watching it. Was it 
was it like super terrible, awful bad? No, it wasn't like, um, you know, Archer chasing the fantasy lady through the forest bad. No. <laughs> um, but turn your brain off for these two episodes. Turn your brain off. <laughs> but you should. That's no, like you shouldn't have to turn your brain off for Star Trek. But you do. No, this. but you can have. There can be like an action-y episode that I can enjoy. Sure. You know, that doesn't use my brain that way. I just think this just wasn't very, you know, it it wasn't very well written. It wasn't very well done, and I didn't care. And I wish I had a more, a better analysis. But, yes, to a large extent, it's like, well, we're going to get this crap out of the way, and then we're going to do some, you know, the rest of this season, minus the finale, I remember as being Enterprise's best season, and I remember Stormfront as not being the beginning of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yes, I'm glad we got through it. Um, there are some things that I enjoyed that that opening of uh, the second of, of part two, the news on parade bit. Mm-hmm. That, was that was pretty well done. That was pretty cool. Hitler in New York and all that. Mm-hmm. That was cool. It's a little bit weird that <laughs> that it like wraps up. <laughs> it wraps up really cool with it with this news on on parade, you know, forties uh, news real music thing, and then it goes into the Enterprise theme song. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 just felt bizarre to me. Um, I don't know if it was supposed to, but it felt weird. Um, it was cool seeing Enterprise fly through New York City. Those were cool. That scenes. was the coolest shot out of either one. That like that it was like the sun setting. And they're mm-hmm. flying uh, to near the end of the part two to uh, blow up Vosk's facility. Mm-hmm. I think there's another good example. Okay, so look at how they ended part one. Right, he walks. They're, they're Daniels is building it up. The only way he can make this this time portal using modern technology, using you know 40s technology, it would have to be massive, a huge, huge facility. And it ends with you know this shot of Vosk walking up. Um, and looking out over this huge, huge, you know, um, complex apparatus, and this um, um, looks like the uh, uh, the uh, hadron collider or whatever. You know, I mean, massive, right? And then, what do we actually see all the rest of the time? What do we actually see them interact with? Like this this little table thing with a <laughs> with a CG portal, what what happened to the massive facility part? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I know this isn't they don't have yeah. Captain America money or something, but I, I'm I'm imagining I'm imagining Red Skull's hideout, right? You know, I and mean, something really cool here. And no, that's it's just it's just a couple of guys in some kind of you know lame makeup that I think we mentioned last time that kind of looks like something we've seen a million times or like a like a best of lots of different makeups and stuff and and obviously they weren't that enthused with these these villains we don't see them again no. right no there's a lot of things that they just kind of do out of convenience i i mean i didn't quite get you know daniels is like yo this guy's so evil and menacing and he went back in time and then i'm thinking to myself well they're going to be less menacing and back in time and if they what are they going to do when they go forward in time there's not i don't just didn't make sense to me like how is he gonna if he goes into time 
when he goes through the portal and goes back into the future, what's what's he going to fight with? It's not like he developed some secret weapon while he was on Earth to destroy the other factions in the future. I don't know. It just seemed weird. Or maybe it just seemed like they did a lot of things in these two episodes out of convenience just to push the story and, and, forward. And things that were conflicting. Like I'm talking about this this whole setup of like it's important that it's going to have to be such a huge facility and, and we don't there's nothing to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Vosk, you know, Daniels is he's this terrible evil guy and all this stuff. And then we have this scene where he's like trying to negotiate with Archer. Well, I tell you what, look. You let me do what I need to do here. Help me out stuff from your ship so that I can get back to the whatever his century was, 29th, I think. I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of Daniels and his guys. And then I promise I'll come back and fix up this timeline. It sounded I mean, pretty it reasonable. <laughs> yeah. That's your super evil guy. And, you know, he's, he's trying to negotiate like a, a car salesman. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. And then, you know, so, yeah, they made him seem kind of good. He gives back on the, you know, Mayweather. The, the, a super, the, just to be clear. Listeners, if you're like, well, what did he was no, a super evil guy walks up to Archer and says, you know, I'm gonna kill you. you I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill everyone on your ship and I'm gonna make you watch first. You know, I mean that's an evil guy, right? Evil guy is not like super evil, let's build him up. He's gonna be the massive villain of your your season opener two parter. (laughs) He's not a car salesman, okay? That's a different thing. And did Silic um, seem completely? What was the point of having him in these episodes? Silic, just like everything else here, seemed a bit neutered. I'm talking about Vosk being kind of neutered. Silic was pretty neutered. Which, by what the way, the, what was Silic the point of him being? Human what is, a lot like John Fleck. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, what was the point of him being in the episode? He didn't do anything to push this. You know, they just wanted to get down with. They wanted to dump the Cold War stuff in there and get get rid of all of it. Yeah, I guess. That's all. That's what it felt like. Yeah, you know, I think I feel like maybe I disliked these episodes more than you guys did. Which I mean, I'm not you're not saying you loved it, but I, I they are what they are. I kind of feel that's maybe how I'm making a subtle difference between saying I I didn't like them and I thought they like I don't think these are any good. They're not terrible, terrible, terrible. Objectively, I don't know. Spock's brain is probably a worse uh, episode of Star Trek than Stormfront, but I would rather watch Spock's brain. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, what, that's well, what I'm getting it's at. Because it's it's the kind of bad that's you know it's not god awful, but it's like the disappointing bad and um, just nothing to nothing no meat nothing to grab onto and even I don't know it's it's just especially for a series story arc. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's what's disappointing about yeah, it. Yeah, and it's and like I said before, it's almost like a waste thing. I mean, not only are you ending the arc, the particular arc with this, but well, they didn't know at the time it was their last season, but we know it's the last season and you're feeling like, well, two down, well, two down the toilet or something, you know, it's just a waste or mm-hmm. not to mention, you know, this is I'm trying to I believe it was episodes they did 26 in the first two seasons, and then 24 in season three, and then 22 in season four. I don't recall yet, perhaps. I think the reason I remember that is because they did end up, ended up doing 98 episodes. And mm. I always thought, if even if all they had done was given season four <laughs> the same number as season three, then they would have hit 100. Like, yeah, I always thought yeah. that was kind of crappy. Yeah. Um, so there is I one didn't thing watch... we should... Go, Go ahead. 
I was gonna say I didn't watch. I didn't have time to watch any features on this. Did any was Braga or anybody? What are the, what are their comments on Stormfront and this story arc that they kind of just? Well, I watched them for whatever's on the disc, and on this disc, it it didn't have any of the new stuff. So I'm guessing it's on the last disc this time. So I haven't watched any of it. I was just curious but if either you researched what um, Braga they, had to say about it this. It seems to me I've heard them talk about it. Stormfront in a lackluster way, but. I could be remembering wrong. Um, it's hard to judge, you know, season four, the, the, the ratings were still kind of down. So it's hard to judge popularity based on, based on that. But um, I'll put it, I'll put this in a, another way. Even Braga recognizes, I'm not saying he agrees with it. He, although he probably does, but even Braga recognizes that, most fans think of season four as the Manny Cotto season, the good season that Manny Cotto ran. Um, and when Braga is talking about the season that way or thinking of the season that way, he doesn't necessarily talk about Stormfront, even though obviously Manny Cotto was involved with these episodes. So it's more like it's more like Stormfront one and two is the end of everything else, mm-hmm. you know, and home is is kind of the real beginning. Which we're obviously going to talk about in a second. You know, um, um, it's it's kind of funny. We you know we were talking about the the serialized um, way that they tried to go with in three. You know, episode to episode. I kind of felt that even though Storm Stormfront and Home don't have anything to do with each other, you know, the end of Stormfront, they're back at Earth, and I kind of feel like the episodes connect so far a lot better. It's there's with these first three, and then obviously at the end of Home, we kind of have yeah, a, but, a cliffhanger. But cliffhanger. Here, try this. Imagine, um, what was the name of the, the season three final episode? I can't even remember now. Um, that was um, Zero Hour. Zero Hour. All right. Imagine Zero Hour ends with the weapon being destroyed. And we don't have the cliffhanger ending. That's the end of it. And you go straight from there to home. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm even talking home as is. Not even talking about making changes in home. Would yeah. you notice it? Would you feel it in any way? If the answer is no, then Stormfront 1 and 2 and your cliffhanger ending from Season 3 were a waste of my time. Well, then how does Archer live? That's the one thing they'd have to figure out. He lives. He just lives. He gets off the weapon before it blows up. Even exactly as it is, he's shown running. Then you have a shot of him being beamed aboard or something, whatever. There you go. But Brian, you should, be a dir- you should be a director. <laughs> I'm just pointing out um, <laughs> how little weight Stormfront has oh, I, in, I, the, in, the, in the series, even. Even when we think about season four as being this one that advances all these cool story things. And it begins with home. You know, think about the stuff on, on Vulcan, you know, with Koss and, and T'Pol. And we know we're going to follow that up even more. And, that, um, and, and there's other stuff, too. But I'm just giving you the first example that pops in my mind. That is is one of all these storylines and character things that we're going to pursue in season four to fan what? popularity and and if, and if my memory is any um, um, bellwether then to actual quality, but it's not present in Stormfront. In Stormfront, you could take it or leave it, and it wouldn't make any difference on the show. Well, I, I would I would disagree with you a little bit just because it concludes the the temporal Cold War storyline. Not saying it does a good job of it. I'm just saying that's the but only if it, reason. If they'd never done that, I'm not sure that it would have bugged me. 
If they would if they would have just dropped the cold, do you think it would have been better for them just to drop the cold war? They went through the entire season three without ever showing us. Well, Daniels was in season three towards the end. He talked. Okay, but even then, that was just him saying, True. Um, "You know, there was no silic or anything." No, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you that yeah. you know they could have they could have just used these two episodes for other stories, and they could have just you know what we're not going to just kind of just subtly not talk about the cold temporal cold war ever again just kind of let it fade away in star trek lore instead of doing this is that what you're kind of saying yeah yeah gotcha um i don't disagree there's one other thing i wanted to just point out so one huge change they made um the fourth season of enterprise was shot in hd unlike the prior three seasons they were actually shot on film and then transferred to high def and then you know finished in high def uh, season four was actually shot that way to begin with, and it was shot on one of the on the um, the Sony um, that very first Cine Alta camera, um, which is the exact same model camera that Steve and I shot a music video on. <laughs> I remember that very clearly. Uh, but you, I didn't really notice it in part one, but in part two, I could tell there were a lot of like those close-ups of the medium close-ups and the close-ups of. Um, Vosk and the German general in, I guess it was supposed to be the White House. That were the first one, like, oh, I can really see this, like, the, you know, that that sh- digital sheen that that mm-hmm. early oh, HD House. kind of had. No, no, not not the actual White House shot. I mean, I mean the the interior, the the the, the medium shots and the close-ups gotcha. of of the talent. But the the way that um, the there's kind of no definition to some of the bright spots. Um, there's no detail there. Little stuff like that. I mean, it looks it looks cool, but it, but it's noticeably it noticeably looks different than the previous three seasons. Um, I think it's it's certainly noted notable. Um, you know, the 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 final episode of Enterprise season three, I am certain, is the last time anyone ever makes a Star Trek television show on film. No doubt about that. Mm-hmm. The new show. Coming in um, 2017, of course, it's just going to be shot digitally. Um, incidentally, they announced today that it's going to be one per week. <laughs> You're not going to be able to sign up for CBS All Access and binge and then cancel. Um, all right. Uh, what is Stormfront 1 and 2? What, what are these episodes about? All right, and real quick, Brian. I just You mentioned the White I love the battle-damaged White House. That was great. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. I like the map in the background that shows like the Germans on the east coast, their their front lines. On the move. Yeah, yeah, that, that you know the, where you can see like the arrows showing on their front lines, and 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 um, uh, that that was cool. I like that. Map. Oh, real quick, I, I have another complaint. What was that whole thing about? You know, nineteen sixteen, some other agent came in and stopped um, the Russians. They didn't really give us the details, but that was that just. Was- that's just kind of weird to me, but anyway, go ahead. Let's let's move on. <laughs> What's it about? Stormfront. What's it about? Nothing. Nazis invading the United States. Well, at least you guys said it with verve. <laughs> <laughs> um, these episodes were about ending the temporal Cold War t- storyline for Star Trek. That is not what we mean when we say about <laughs> cheater. <laughs> What were they thinking when they made it? <laughs> what was it supposed to be about, even if it failed? That counts. Um, um, 
rebellion, rebellion sticking together to overcome large and insurmountable obstacles. Star Wars now? What's what? <laughs> you know, Bobby from The Sopranos, you know, becoming the boss in New York. I don't know. Steve? Are you here? Uh, well, Steve already answered. He said he doesn't have any. Stuff. Yeah, I, I, I just... I don't, I don't know really what I could come up with for that. In these. All right. Well, by the standards of our show, that means these episodes certainly don't hold up very well because they're not asking any kind of universal human condition question. Um, but I would argue they are just lame. Kind of lame. That's yes. all. Kind of vanilla. But I'm going to like the next one we're going to talk about. So let's get to that right after we do Six Degrees for Stormfront Parts 1 and 2. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Christopher Niemi, Niam uh, plays the German general that Vosk placates until he can't stand him no more and then shoots him. In Voyager's first season, he played Unferth in the episode Heroes and Demons, in which the Doctor must go into a holodeck novel to save several crew members. What novel had been recreated on the holodeck? Hmm. Is it uh, Beowulf? You're correct. It was Beowulf. Mr. Caesar, this is John Fleck's final appearance as Silic. In how many episodes did he portray the character? I'm going to give you multiple choice, and I would also like to point out Stormfront counts as two episodes, but Broken Bow only counts as one. Was it seven, nine, or eleven? I'm going to go nine. No, and I'm not going to give Steve a pass on this one. Uh, it was seven, actually. I know it feels like it was. It feels like more, but nope. Still, it was only. He was only in seven. Well, we didn't see him at all in the third season. Maybe that's what I'm. That is true. All right, uh, Steve has one. Moving on. Home, season four, episode three, production number four hundred three. Original air date October twenty second, two thousand four. Directed by Alan Croker. Written by Michael Sussman. Music composed by Velton Ray Bunch. Guest cast include Joanna Cassidy as Teles, Michael Riley Burke as Koss, Ada Maris as Captain Erica Hernandez, Gary Graham as Ambassador Soval. Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, Jim Fitzpatrick as Commander Williams, and Jack Donner as Vulcan Priest. Captain Archer and the crew are welcomed back to Earth following the successful Zindi mission. As Enterprise undergoes repairs and refitting, Archer is debriefed by Admiral Maxwell Forrest and Ambassador Saval. After reacting in anger when Saval asks pointed questions about the Sylvanian incident, he is ordered by Forrest to take some leave. Meanwhile, T'Pol invites Commander Tucker to go with her to Vulcan. So what do you suggest? Put our starships in mothballs? No. We need them. But look at the Vulcans. They're not explorers. They keep their ships close to home. Never know who's going to come calling. That's not the mission either one of us signed up for. Maybe you'll feel differently after you've delivered a few dozen eulogies. This opens with the Enterprise crew being... Honored at a stadium for, you know, saving Earth. That that does seem like the kind of thing you should probably get. At least a, you know, a free cheeseburger or something. So it's good. Um, but 
I'm really glad that we get this whole. I'm glad that we get this entire episode of everyone coming home and everyone, you know, kind of reintegrating into normal uh, after the Zindi affair. Um, I almost wish we could have got really gotten it for from for everyone, maybe a little bit more. From, but there's obviously only so much screen time, so I understand that. But I, I just don't want to overstate. I really do like that they took an episode to, to for this. Um, you know, we have Archer meeting up with that other captain at the Cafe 80s. What's her name? Uh, Erica Hernandez. Hernandez, right. She's cool. I thought she was a good kind of foil for him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I like I liked the, those bits, you know. Um, he comes around a little quick, but you know, cuts a commercial so you can have sex, and that fixes everybody's problems. Um, I love the the Vulcan stuff. You know, um, how awesome Joanna Cassidy. You know, we're all sci-fi nerds, so you know, Blade Runner. I mean, she's awesome. We all love Joanna Cassidy. So seeing her as DePaul's mom was really neat. <laughs> um, and all that stuff. We see a lot of cool like Vulcan. Uh, culture stuff like the guests have to prepare breakfast and um, the wedding and beginning and all that. Um, you know, we'll get into uh, Trip and Paul's character stuff in a little bit, but um, I like this episode. I think it's a good, solid episode. Um, like I said. It wouldn't make for for a very splashy intro to a season, but if this had been the first episode of the season, I would have been happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, I always talk about the stuff I like the most or the more charactery kind of things. It's you know, my favorite episodes are generally not the ones where they're where they save the world. You know, these tend to be the things I find more interesting. This is frankly what we're all kind of expecting a, a modern TV show to be, right? Uh, this sort of stuff, but just over the course of a season. Um, so what are your guys' first thoughts for home? Yeah, I I really like this episode and, um, it has, it also feels like the really good follow-up episodes we've seen in other series. I'm thinking like, uh, family, uh, after best of both worlds, you know, and next gen, um, in the way that it's, it gets, you know, that's a very personal thing you know pretty much on one character story but that kind of like okay calm down and let's let's see life you know some real life and you know getting back like you said kind of getting some normalcy and so forth and um you know they squeezed a lot of good stuff in this episode i mean you've got of course the um archer and hernandez and you've got the uh, trip into paul but you also have the uh, xenophobia stuff and and flocks and and at the same time it doesn't feel like they're it's rushed and they're squeezing it all in you know you get good character moments and it's um feels cohesive and it's um yeah so i i really dig this episode um yeah i'd agree with um, pretty much most of what you guys said. Um, you mentioned family, and I think um, you know maybe just the the scope of what Picard went through might have been just a little bit more emotional, or mm-hmm. maybe just um, Patrick Stewart's a better actor than Bakula. I don't know. We can debate that. But I kind of would have liked to seen just you know the, I I agree with you, Brian. They kind of just they what they touched on that kind of quick. It was like you know you see Archer, he's upset, and then you know he talks about you know did you have to 
torture people or strain a whole crew and then yeah they cut to commercial so i would i think my little bit of disappointment with this ep- episode because i agree with steve i kind of compare it a little bit to family is to maybe seen a little bit more um out of archer about like his regrets and what he had to do you know we see that he's angry about it um, we have a lot of angry Archer in this episode, but I think I would have liked to seen maybe a little bit more more emotional, a more emotional scene written in here for him on dealing with the things that he had to do in season three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it probably would have been nice to have like to really see the scene where he comes around, you know, based on a dialogue with Hernandez. You know, they're out there in the wilderness and. Uh, they're talking, and we don't really get that. I mean, he has the thing where, he, like, he's, he's, I look at you and I see what I used to be, and I don't know how to get that back or something, you know. But it's almost like, oh well, here I know how to get it back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know because it doesn't really show. That's that's the interesting part, right? That's the character part. Um, but I, I don't know. It could just as well be that they're saying that. Maybe he never really lost it, and so it wasn't that hard. He just needed to, you know, get kind of in touch with himself or in touch with somebody else. And then <laughs> the next thing we see, you know, he's at that briefing and he does a better job or whatever. But so it didn't really bother me. I mean, I'm just saying I could see how it could have been a little bit more effective uh, character moments. Um, but but you know. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of it's a I you know I make the comparison to family. It might be a little bit unfair because you do, in the in the in the episode of Family, you know, um, Picard and his brother they get into this huge fight, and you really see Picard break. You know, you see him cry and break down, and it, how emotionally disturbed he was by that. So um, I don't know. It might be I might it might be an unfair comparison for me to compare this episode to that one and Picard and um and Archer's you know, dilemmas and their similarities in this, this episode. Well, I think it's uh, the way I, the reason I was, I got that vibe too, is not so much, I guess, comparing. It's just kind of, there's, there's certain parallels in that, you know, it follows up a big, a big deal, you know, big actiony stuff. And then it kind of all calms down and it's personal and it's on earth, you know, that, that kind of sure. stuff. And yeah, they are different in the sense that, um, you know, that family's all about, Picard, but this is split up. I mean, primarily amongst the captain and then the trip into Paul thing, which really I think the trip into Paul thing is the A story for me. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's what this is. That's what's going on here. Yeah, the so let's talk about the trip to Paul stuff. Um, I really like that scene just before the wedding. So kind of the penultimate scene for the episode, just between um, yeah. Paul's mom and Trip. You know, and there's so much going on there with them, you know, the, yeah, it was just great. Yeah. She says like, it's not, you know, it's not too late to tell her that you're in love with her, you know, and Tripp, to his credit, I think he recognizes really what this is. He, he sees this in the Vulcan way, Mm -hmm. you know? So I, you know, he says I like his line because he says like she could call it off, and I know that how damaging that would be for her, or worse. I mean, he's like you know, yeah, <laughs> she wouldn't reciprocate my feelings. <laughs> yeah, no, she could not call it off. You know, mm-hmm. um, so it's like 
obviously if I tell this to her, it's a lose-lose situation for her, you know, because he understands that that uh, dueling thing going on, on inside of her where she's where she's trying to be a good Vulcan and a good daughter. Um, but also she's just not like all these other Vulcans, you know, she is different. Um, if anything, being on enterprise and specifically being with trip has made, you know, she's, she's gone even farther in the human direction. So he understands and, you know, it's, 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 it's only his love for her that I think allows him to kind of understand that and, uh, be empathetic even though realistically he it doesn't make sense to him and uh, you know he knows he's not going to understand it but there he was not only at her wedding but saying i wouldn't miss it when she says you know mm-hmm. thanks for being here yeah i mean yeah i agree that scene between Tapal's mom and and Tripp. because well number 1 uh, he's wearing her 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 husband's mm-hmm. you know to Paul's father's clothing. I mean, I think that there's something just kind of I don't know touching about that that you know whatever. Anyway, and then the the expression she goes through, it's going through her face. You know, she's saying you know you could tell you know because she's you know she's she's wants her daughter to be happy. She wants you know she likes Trip you know too. But mm-hmm. then the respect she she has for him when he's respecting their culture by saying you know the understanding she, he's got that understanding of like you said a vulcan and and she's and she's even more impressed with him than she already was and that's all coming through and then it goes right into that scene where you know she she kisses him on the cheek they move through this and it just stays on him as that you know it goes on on him as the wedding starts and you're thinking wow that's going to be the worst thing ever <laughs> for him <laughs> so sure. deal with this you know yeah yeah, I mean, it was kind of a. I don't exactly want to use the word dark, but it was not a happy ending. <laughs> right. Um, but more, more importantly, it was an ending that. Um, um, oh, I, I always think about Ron Moore, and um, you know the 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 first time they they they. Uh, had Worf, you know, in a the end of an episode uh, with him in a bad way, and it was like, okay, well, that was the first time that we felt like we're going to have to address this. This is the closest thing to the first time there's ever been anything that wasn't completely bodily, and it was clear there was some kind of serial thing. We were going to have to come back to this storyline, you know. Um, Even Enterprise, as we talked about season three, even in season three, when it's this overriding Zindi arc, for the most part, they were still, comparatively, they were still pretty bodily. You know, mm-hmm. it was just that we knew there was this Zindi thing going on. It wasn't until those last few episodes that we really had, um, you know, f- fully like to be continuity kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Which is its own, a different animal anyway. And so I'm not even really talking about that just talking about you know what kind of overarching story stuff are we do we have going on that we're so so we leave home here's my point we're ending home in a way that clearly this is going to have to be addressed mm-hmm. you know um and this is the beginning of the season and um i remember watching this and, and being excited um i mean not happy 
course, there's a part of you that just wants him to say, you know, to stop it all and <laughs> for them to run off together, whatever be damned. But um, I was excited just at these pro- at the prospects here of of um, developing these characters over the course of this mm-hmm. season. You know? Well, yeah, it's this, it's this, like, it's this sweet melancholy thing. That is a good comparison. Those episodes, like with Worf and Next Gen, because you kind of have this, and, and plus, that's that's the that's the uh, that's what's smart about this kind of writing is that if you if you like make it like, no, don't I love you, don't marry him, nah, you you can't follow that up. There's nothing you can do. It's kind of this peak, mm-hmm. woo, and then what the heck do you do after that? There's nothing you can follow that up with. So, but when you do it like this, you're just it's anticipatory. You're feeling like, oh, good. I'm I, I'm a fan of the series, and this is gonna get we're coming back to this and move on, you know. So yeah, it leaves it open ended for mm-hmm. you to do many different things with it. <laughs> well, it kind of would have been like if um, Riker and um, Troy hooked up in the first season, and yeah, then we wouldn't have had that mm-hmm. little dynamic throughout yeah. the next decade or so. Do you guys see the who's that guy? Wide shots when yes, they were yeah. mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! It was so like, I, obviously, when I, we first saw this, it was letterbox standard definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching it, you know, HD sixteen by nine, and it <laughs> so obviously not them. It was funny. It really was totally like original series. Like, oh, mm-hmm. yep, they just they didn't they didn't conceive of us watching it at the level of quality they were finishing it at. <laughs> so. Should we talk about flocks at all? I didn't like that scene. I thought it was kind of that whole scene when they were in San Francisco and you had the the guy who just kind of came up and was distant, distant ass. I kind of felt like it was forced. Yeah, a little bit it was. Um, you know, we're gonna they're gonna really follow up this whole the xenophobia thing with you know the the multi-parter near mm-hmm. the end of the season, the the Peter Weller guesting bits. Um, but yeah, this it did feel a little bit forced and um Flox's freaky face thing, whatever. <laughs> right. But I mean, how did you feel about it ending with him deciding not to go down there? You know, with with Sato saying, with Hoshi saying, um Should bring him take out. You need to but she's like, that's you need to um address this kind of uh hate head on, right? Well, in a way, I kind of like it because, I, I mean, I think, I don't know, somehow it's consistent with the character a little bit. I mean, he's not... I agree completely with that, yes. Yeah, yeah. He, do, he doesn't... You don't feel like he's like a coward or something for not doing it. You just feel like, you know, it's not that important to me. I don't I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to... He says, he I'm, says cool. I, I, I... He's not political. He says, but he says, I can't blame them for feeling the way they do. They, yeah. Their species, right. you guys were attacked, so it was, it was just terrible beyond belief. And so I, I can't, you know, he's, he's got this love everybody mm-hmm. Zen kind of thing going on. And I felt like that was consistent with it. He wasn't saying, I'm not going to go because those guys are jerks. You know, it was he, mm-hmm. he was truly so much better than that. And just saying, you know, I understand how they could feel the way they do. And why should I just make them unhappy for a couple of hours, you know? And if and if you send him down there, it's either ends in disappointment or a cliche. So, sure. well, kind of, yeah, kind of like the first scene with you had the the cliche xenophobe mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. So I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot you were going to be able to do with that. So I kind of liked Hoshi in there. It was kind of weird. She was kind of assertive. Usually, Hoshi is kind of the 
you know, kind of, uh, and they kind of made her assertive in that, you know, come on, be, be a man, go down there. So it's kinda <laughs> different for her. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen, what is home about? Um, for me, in a lot of coming to terms with, with, with who you are. I mean, with, with Archer, it was kind of coming to terms with the things that he had done to, to complete his mission and to, do what he needed to do to save Earth, um, and you know, for for Tucker, I think more Tucker than maybe DePaul. You know, kind of coming to terms with what his relationship with DePaul was, and you know, letting her do what she needed to do. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's kind of you know what, what they have in common the two primary stories in this. I mean, obviously, it's both dealing with the aftermath of this big important mission that's so you know it's so huge and. It's kind of it's the it's that notion of sometimes the the aftermath and returning to normalcy is harder than the actual thing you came from in its own way. Not to say that obviously they didn't you know people died on this mission you know, it was huge you know traumatic and so on. But then coming back to normalcy and in the, the civilization we're in, it's its own it has its own challenges you know and and we only get used to these used to the way things work because we're in it all the time. So sometimes when you're in one kind of reality, you come back to another reality, it's, uh, oh, now i got to deal with this standard domestic This Nazi alien. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, also coming to terms with that, you're going to be changed by this forever. There's, no, there's kind of yeah. like there's no yeah. going back home. There's no, there's no going back to where, where what you used to be. It's about coming to terms with like, okay, uh, this is who I am now. And this is the way it is because I went through this experience or I did these traumatic things. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think that was more for Archer that, you know, uh, that he was upset that he, you know, when he said, he, you know, when he looked at um, his girlfriend and said, I, when I look at you, I see what I used to be. And then, well, he's never going to be that anymore because of what he's experienced and what he's done. And I think for him, it was coming to terms to that to be, and being can, okay with that. And you can definitely apply these same things too to Paul. Sure. Situation, yeah. Let's do six degrees for home. Uh, Steve has one. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Michael Riley Burke makes his first appearance as Koss. In DS9's second season, he played the rebel Cardassian student, Hogue, in the episode Profit and Loss, who gives him a cloaking device to aid in his escape. Gives him a cloaking device? Um, yeah, episode called for, uh, Profit and Loss. <coughs> um, Just make sure you heard the name of the episode. <laughs> Profit and um, would be the Ferengi. Does he have a name? Oh, you're looking for a specific character. Um, Quark. Yes, it was Quark. Very good, yeah. Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joanna Cassidy plays Teles to Paul's mommy. Of course, we best remember her as the Snake Lady from Blade Runner, but. She did audition for a part in the Star Trek series that preceded Enterprise. For what Trek character did she audition before Enterprise? Hmm. Is it Janeway? You're correct. It was Janeway. Two to one. Steve takes it for the day. Very good. So, Enterprise Season 4 underway. is underway. Yes, indeed. Um, as I mentioned, uh, dear listeners, we are going to be doing, you know, occasionally breaking this stuff up. Um, I'm, and by that I mean we might do an episode that's only two ep- two episodes instead of uh, three um, episodes of Star Trek just so that we don't break up any of the 
multi-parters. Um, but for now, um, our next episode is still going to just be the next three episodes. So because that's going to be the uh, um, the Brent Spiner guest thing. Mm-hmm. That's the three. That's the three-parter. So that'll be our next discussion. So looking forward to that. You can follow us on Twitter at Trek Companion. Uh, our Facebook listener page is, face, is um, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Also, um, I've been asking this, and I haven't seen anybody do it. Do us a huge favor. I know the numbers of our show. I know how many people come listen to our show every week. Um, even if just a very small number of you hop over to iTunes and leave us a review, it would be awesome. We haven't had a review in a long, long time. Uh, but if anybody does that, that's how people find us, and, and that would be really great. So if you've got a minute, you can hop over to iTunes and, and give us five stars and, and just say how, how uh, you know handsome we all are or whatever. It would be great. <laughs> uh, we would really appreciate that. So um, thanks for spending an hour with us, and, uh, and until next time, make the world a better place and take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.